Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. This is episode number 78, and it also happens to be the season finale of the Move the Ball podcast first season. And as I'm looking back, all I can say is, wow. When I first embarked on this journey, I had no idea what to expect. And I certainly didn't know what the road ahead would look like. And it has been an incredible experience. And I'm just so grateful that I've been able to do podcasting. And, you know, there were for many, many months, people had been talking to me about, Jen, you should really get into podcasting. You got to do it. It's going to be a great way for you to continue to motivate, to inspire, to empower people, to be able to move the ball, which is something that I'm very passionate about. And so I thought, you know what? Let's give it a whirl. And so at the end of last year, I started getting ready. And then I kicked the podcast off the day after the Super Bowl. And again, it's been such a phenomenal experience, an amazing journey for me. I have learned, I have grown from it. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the episodes. And the guests that I've had on the show have just been top notch. And the insights, the advice, the experiences that they've shared have been motivating for me. They've also helped me learn and given me some new things to think about. And I hope that happened for you as well. And I know a number of you have reached out and given me feedback, and I'm so appreciative of that as well as I always look to provide great episodes. I'm looking forward to doing more next season. But what I want to do in this final episode is I've pulled together some of my favorite clips from various segments throughout the season. And I hope you enjoy them. I hope you find them empowering. And what I want you to do is if you haven't listened to those full episodes, go back and check them out. You're going to really find the experiences that my guests have to share just to be world-class is what I'll say. So without further ado, let's get into listening to some of my favorite clips from this season. Episode three, with former pro football player and CEO of Before You Go Pro, Terrence Wood. Listening to that, it reminded me of something. When we're watching the game of football, a fourth down moment is one play, right? You got one shot to convert, get that next first down so that you can have another set of downs to continue to move the ball. In our own lives, it's not just one play, right? We have to decide, are we going to go for it? Are we going to punt or what? But it's what set of plays are we going to run? You know, it's making multiple phone calls, doing many things to ensure that you can convert and get to where you want to go so that you can continue progressing down your own personal field and get across your goal line. So I thank you for sharing that story uh, because that reminded me of that, how football can help us in so many ways. But there are some differences, too, that we need to keep in mind as well off the field. And and you have multiple plays to try to get that next first down in your own life. So it's not, oh, took one shot, didn't work. Now it's too late, right? You can keep going. You have to keep going. You have to, because when you don't, and that's where the regret comes, you know, when you don't keep going and then you lose that opportunity or time runs out and you start thinking back on it, 
you know you could have done it. That's where the regret comes. So you got to keep going. Right. And as an athlete, you're continually performing under pressure. There's games where things are on the line. You've got to make a play to continue to have the ball and move it forward and score or, or whatever the circumstance may be. And so how has being an athlete helped you to perform under pressure off the field in your business and in life? It's conditioned me to not make excuses it's conditioned me to know the process of having success. You know, I don't think a lot of people know the process of having success, but, you know, sports, you got to have training before the season. You have camp or workouts or tryouts to see who can make the cut. You have plays that you have to learn. You have camaraderie that's built, and then you have your output and and result. And you know with the result why you got that result a lot of times that you can look back on the process and maybe you skimped on something, you skimped on that run, that extra run or, or eating the right food. So you can look back with sports and see very clearly the process to succeeding or failing. And that's what's helped me after sports, whether it's with my business, with my family, you know, uh, building relationships, it allows me to trust that if I do the right things and work the right process, I'll get what I want in the end. Episode two with Chris Leak, the former Florida quarterback who led the Florida Gators to the BCS championship during the 2006 football season. All those things, yeah, that has really helped me in life. Football is a life lesson. It's 100 yards of life, as I would say. And I've really learned a lot from it. I mean, I completely agree. There's so many lessons that you can learn from the game. And, and as an athlete, you're continually performing under pressure and you're making these decisions. And you do have to take, you know, play by play. And sometimes when we're looking at our own lives, we lose sight of that. We just get caught up in, oh, shoot, this didn't go as I wanted. Now what am I going to do? And we focus on like that we can't get it done versus taking it step by step and saying, you know what, I'm going to go focus on this next play, try to get that next first down and we're going to move. And we're not going to focus on the fact that we're already, you know, 16 seconds into the game and we're down. That's the one thing that I've learned throughout the game is that there's going to be adversity no matter what. Whether you're up 50 points, you know, there's the possibility of complacency. If you're down 50 points, you have to make a decision where, where, where are you going to keep moving? Are you going to keep moving forward? Are you going to keep moving the ball, as you would say? And uh, just keep fighting and trust the process that regardless of the outcome, that the process is more important than the result. And that's the one thing I think a lot of times, especially in today's, the way today's culture is that we're so result driven instead of process driven. If you focus on the process, if you fall in love with the process, the results will come. And that's one thing that I have learned through the process of being a quarterback and understanding the task that you have to have is being a coach and uh, developing players and obviously being a player. You have to fall in love with the process. The results will come if you give your all to the process. Episode 39 with former WNBA player Olympia Scott. What is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? One piece was inadvertent. It wasn't necessarily advice. It was a command. Tara used to yell, finish, because when I first got to Stanford, I guess I'd make what she called a million-dollar move, but a nickel shot, because I'd miss the shot. <laughs> so she'd always be yelling, finish, finish. And it's funny, because it's not until years later that I realized the magnitude of what she was really saying, which was bigger than finishing the shot, right? It's finish. 
finish what you start. No matter if you started a thousand things, if you finished none of them, finish. You know, just finish. That that was a key, a key one that I heard all quite quite often, too often actually. <laughs> Episode sixty-eight with former NFL player Nick Greason. So you ended up uh, getting a scholarship, played at University of Wisconsin. Uh, you did very well there. You know, led the country in tackles your senior year, led the conference in tackles the year before. What did you do to ensure your success? Oh, my goodness. I just made sure that I stay focused on, on what your goal is. And to be honest, one of the things that I did early on with my, my parents or even my mom, uh, more specifically, was every year we'd sit down and kind of create what our goals are, right? What the goal was for the year, whether that be a, uh, athletically, academically. Um, and so from there, I was able to say, okay, here's what my goal is. My goal was to make it to the NFL, you know, from a young kid on. But for it to say, well, I'm 12 years old or 16 years old in high school, to be able to get to the NFL, all right, well, that's, that's six to eight years away, potentially, let's just say that's a long time to wait. So what do you have to do is you, you actually go backwards and say, well, what are the steps I need and things I need to achieve to be able to get to that goal? And so really being able to stay focused on, is this activity, what I'm trying to do, going to help me to get to my, that goal for that year, which inevitably is going to take me towards the NFL. That part of it, setting goals, really was able to help me stay focused on what the goal was, um, and what and how I'm going to spend my time, you know, within the weight room and learning the playbook, understanding, watching film, the better you understand things. And the more it's, it's not necessarily as, as mental anymore. It's just a lot more physical. You're able to play that much faster. So I think the focus in terms of understanding the playbook, you know, physically preparing myself with, with workouts it just, you know, always being available and showing up every single time it's, it's time to practice and play that you're ready to go and you're not just screwing around. Right. Yeah. And I like that you talked about having that goal, that longer term goal, and then breaking it down into smaller goals and making sure that those smaller goals aligned with where you were trying to go. In my Move the Ball book, and I talk about this too in a lot of speaking events that I do, I talk about this concept called getting the next first down. And so when you look at football teams, they don't focus on trying to uh, throw a Hail Mary every play, right? It's about getting to that next first down, resetting, getting the next first down, et cetera. And same thing here, you know, you broke down what are the things that I needed to achieve from, you know, 12, 16 on that were going to help progress me towards that goal of playing in the NFL. Listen, I, I think I learned one great thing when I was in the NFL symposium, my rookie year, I took three words and I still use this today, actually on my kids. It's choices, decisions, consequences. We all have choices in our life of, of, of whether we're going we're gonna to take that piece of candy and pay for it or not. Well, that decision that you make will have an effect and have consequences that could affect and determine the rest of your life. And those three simple words, I can just easily tell my kids, choices, decisions, consequences, and they understand, because we all know the difference, most of us should understand the difference between right and wrong. And that can definitely make the difference and be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, did I do everything that I could to be, to be the best at what I want to do? Episode 13 with JJ Burden, who is an author, a motivational speaker, and also a former NFL player who played nine years in the NFL. 
Yeah, I recognize those odds, and, I, and I'm going to update you because I recently found out from the NFL Players Association the average football player's career has now dropped less than two years. So what you shared is true. It's hard to make it, and it's hard to stay. So when I got there, I realized that, man, I have an opportunity here. I've got to treat every day like it's game day. So every day I was constantly trying to get better, working on my craft, you know, learning from the veterans, watching and learning and applying. And, and even when I made it, when I became that starter my fourth or fifth year, I didn't get comfortable. I didn't get complacent. It was every day the attitude was, how can I be better than I was the day before? How can I be better than I was the year before? And because of that, I was on this constant pursuit, raising the bar, so to speak, of my performance, where a lot of guys, you know, they have that big game or that great year, they kind of back off. And those are the ones who careers end up short. So, so I was just constantly challenging myself. But I'll tell you, when you're 5'10", 157 pounds, in the NFL, one of the smallest, um, they're constantly bringing in taller guys to take your job. And so every year I was beating out these taller guys, but it kept me on my toes. It kept me hungry and kept me working hard. And you bring up a really good point because I think, well, two things. One, sometimes we, we live in the successes of yesterday. And then we become complacent. And then we don't think about that continual improvement, that striving for more and continually raising the bar. But the other thing that you you bring up is in the athletic arena, you do have people competing for your jobs. In the corporate sense, you don't always have someone, they're not just going to get rid of you the next year unless you're significantly underperforming, right? Or you do something bad. So it's very easy for us off the field to get complacent because we lose sight of there's other people that will want our job if we don't improve. But in the athletic space, that's a very real thing that people are always focused on. I got to perform or I'm going to be gone. Yeah, it's an interesting concept because you might have five other wide receivers behind you and they're your teammates, but they're waiting for you to mess up. They want your job and you can feel them every day trying to get it. So you have to be on your toes. You have to keep challenging yourself. You have to keep raising the bar. And I was able to do that, just constantly challenging myself and pushing myself. And I know that was instrumental in me playing nine years. Yeah, I think that the takeaway for people listening is you've always got to continually strive to improve and grow and push yourself and you can't become complacent, uh, whether you're an athlete or just a business person, right, living a, a regular life, so to speak. Um, you've got to stay focused on that. How can I improve? How can I be better than I was yesterday and the day before that? And so on. Absolutely. So you played a couple seasons with Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana. Tell us, first of all, what was that like playing with Joe? And was there anything specific that really impressed you about him, not just his quarterback abilities, but about who he was as a person, his character, just his practices? Yeah, it was certainly a thrill to play with him. And I think it definitely was one of my highlights because here's a guy I used to watch when I was in the eighth grade. He's you know winning Super Bowls with the 49ers. And now all of a sudden I'm in a huddle with him. And so... That took some time to get over because I was more enamored with like, you know, that's Joe Montana, you know, and and he's going to be my quarterback. But um, I do know that success leaves clues. And Joe Montana had won four Super Bowls before he got joined our team. So I wanted to see it's like, what makes this guy so great? What does he do? And I watched him like a hawk. And right away, I was impressed with just who he was. Really nice guy, very down to earth. 
not all professional athletes, some are, but some can kind of be a bit arrogant and not be pleasant to be around. And Joe was just the opposite. But I was impressed with just his preparation. He was in his 15th year in the NFL with all these accolades, but he still, I always say he prepared like a rookie, he studied like a veteran, and he led like a pro. I mean, he was a consummate professional and leader, which had an amazing effect on our team because leaders who lead from the front, you know, they set the pace. That can be a a positive um, results for the rest of the team because we just follow him and we did with Joe. And But I would say the number one thing that I took away most from him, which you and I were kind of just talking about, was that he was never satisfied. I mean, he's in his last year, 16 year in the NFL, he was constantly trying to get better always studying. He was a consummate professional. He was always focusing on the details. And you could just see that he was so hungry late in his career that it it caused me to prepare better, to work harder, to be on my game because I was playing with one of the best. And so there's a guy who definitely never got complacent. Episode 48 with back-to-back Super Bowl champion, Byron Chamberlain. I think my last trait that I brought to um, football that helped me be successful is um, I'm not afraid of criticism and I'm not afraid to criticize myself. I'm a person that I'm very hard on myself. I'm the guy that when the game is over, win, lose, or draw, I'm going to watch the film. I'm going to see what I did well, but I'm also going to see what I did poorly. And I'm not, and I'm not afraid to admit, you know, that I did something poorly and I need to work on it. I need to get better at it. Um, you know, me and my best friend, and you, you said we'll talk about him a little later in the show. We have a saying amongst ourselves, like, if you let a person write their own book, they'll make themselves the hero every time. Meaning most people don't want to say anything bad about themselves. They always, you know, say that, you know, I can do this or, or I, I did. It's always some other, some, some other person's fault instead of, you know, taking a real hard look at themselves. And to me, that's the only way that you can, can grow. If you can be totally, completely honest with yourself, even when you don't measure up, when you don't get the job done, when you, when you have glaring weaknesses in your game. If you can be honest about them, then you have a chance to improve and get better. And I, I, I've never had a problem with that, whether that was from a coach, and I think even more so whether it was from myself. It's important to A, be accountable to yourself, but it's also helpful when you have other teammates, friends that can uh, also hold you accountable. So tell us, what was it like playing for Mike Shanahan? And was there anything that he ever said to you that's kind of always stuck with you? Mike is amazing. He was one of those guys in, at the NFL that people called a genius during his time, especially when he was with Denver. Offensively, defensively. He was an incredible game planner. Like, I don't think we ever lost a game, like, off a of bye week. Because Mike was the guy, if you gave him a couple of weeks to game plan you, you you're not going to beat him. And that's why we felt so confident going into our Super Bowls. So he was really good at evaluating his players and understanding their talents, understanding their, their strengths and their weaknesses. And he would never do anything to put to let a player's weakness show. He was always, you know, for his players and, and had his guys back. You know, when I got drafted, the very first meeting, my very first day in the Broncos building, and the first thing he ever addressed to the team, he said, men, we're going to do things here one way and one way only. It's going to be first class. And that's going to be everything we do from the way we dress, 
from the way we practice, from the way we eat, from the way we play. Anything we do is going to be first class and first class only, or we're not going to do it. I've taken those words and I've applied them to my life. I've applied them to everything that I do. If I'm going to do something, it's going to be first class. It's, all, it's going to be the very, very best. Episode 72 with Tiffany Green, the first African-American female college play-by-play football commentator. And then you, you know, you get the sound, you turn the package, uh, you, you feed it in and then you drive back. And so, you know, there were many occasions where there were night games and um, obviously driving on the road three and four o'clock in the morning by yourself as a woman probably wasn't the smartest, but I was willing to do whatever it took to get the story done and to prove myself that, hey, I'm capable of doing this. And it was shortly after it was announced that the Gators, that was their last championship season, that they were going uh, to the SEC championship that my boss told me, uh, yeah, you know what, we're going to actually give this opportunity to your male counterpart. I thought to myself, well, wait a minute now. (laughs) He gets to travel to Atlanta. (laughs) He gets to cover the Gators. (laughs) And he gets to do it having not done what I did all season, like put in the sweat equity, the work. I remember being passed over and being incredibly offended. Like I was upset because I felt like I had worked my butt off to get my, you know, put myself in position to get that opportunity to cover them and to follow it through. You know, you, you, you spend time with the team and you get to know them. So yes, you, you want to see something through. So I made it be known in a professional way that I did not agree with it. And I felt like I was being discriminated against because I was a woman in this space. But what I did was I ended up just working twice as hard and I made sure to remind them or prove them through my work that I was the best person to tell that story. I was the best person to cover that team. And I just used it as fuel because I knew that, you know, throughout life, you're going to always come across people who, you know, pass you over for opportunities, don't feel like you're good enough or, you know, just have somebody else in mind. And it's how you respond to those challenges that's most important. And so instead of holding my head down or holding even anything against my boss or my male counterpart who got the opportunity, I was just like, it's okay. I'm just going to continue to work and prove, keep my head down and show you that I'm deserving of everything because I'm working to earn it. So not everybody takes that approach. And obviously you kind of, you know, take the 24 hour approach that many athletes do. You sulk about it. You're bad. You're pissed off about it. And then you try to take that energy and put it in the most positive direction that you can. Episode 65 with former NFL player Jedediah Collins. And so finally, you know, one day I just asked him, I was like, hey, five pounds. Like, well, what is five pounds really going to do? And he smiled. He said, look around. Every guy in here is younger than me, cheaper than me, healthier than me. Every guy in here is here to steal my job, to take you know my profession away. The only reason after 15 years I'm still here competing is because I come in here every day and I steal inches. Each and every day I look for just a subtle little inch I can steal because I know that an inch will lead to a yard, a yard to a first down, a first down to a touchdown, and a touchdown leads to wins. That was such an impactful thought for me as a young man, as a young player, to really review my days and to ask myself if I stole an inch on the competition. And it just so happened that, you know, my position was a fullback. I was a lead blocking fullback. And 
my measurement was a six inch battle. In my collisions, if I can move my opponent backwards six inches, that was declared a plus or a win for me on that play. And so I set out on a mission that you know, Monday through Saturday, I would steal an inch a day so I could walk out onto the field on Sunday and and win that six inch battle. And it it was truly a life changing event and something that I take and steal that behavior in in my marriage and my fatherhood and, you know, my work and everything I do. I try to really maintain that mindset of a game of inches. It's really the essence of why I call myself a great failure, because I was able to take those losses and continue to progress. And so it, it kind of identified itself to me growing up playing, you know, the game we were talking about earlier, basketball with my brothers. We'd go play and my dad created a game called King for a Day. And we'd play in the backyard, one-on-one basketball. And the winner got to walk off and boss the other two brothers around. Uh, you know, go give me a drink of water, go take out the trash, all these kinds of little things. And I remember vividly playing hundreds, thousands of times in the backyard and only winning twice. And so early on, I started to realize I knew I was going to lose. I knew I was going to technically fail, but was I going to let it defeat me? And so my mindset shifted from trying to just win to trying to improve, finding success. And success to me means I walked off the court better than I did the day before. It wasn't an external measurement. It was an internal measurement. That is really where I started to mindset shift. And I needed to call upon that mindset as I went through the NFL and started to say, each and every team that cut me, I failed. But that wasn't the end. I only end when I choose. The game is only over when I stop going. And so my mindset was, did I leave this place having gotten him better? Did I leave this place and say it was successful for my journey? Perhaps it wasn't the ending I wanted. Perhaps I wasn't proving exactly what I was intending. But if I left a little bit further down the road, I knew I was closer to what my goal was. And so by the time I started to do that, by the time I started to steal from each and every veteran that I was around, that is how I would bounce back. Episode 56 with Corey Proctor, former NFL player and current financial wealth management advisor. The problem is we have so many people, especially men in our world, that kind of, they're just, you know, they go with the flow. You've heard that before. Like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm a go with the flow guy. And he's really nice. And everybody likes a really nice guy. And that's great. Love being a nice guy. But the problem is if you always go with the flow, somebody else is going to control you. And what happens when you go with the flow, ultimately, the wrong influencers start controlling you and so all of, when the wrong influencers start controlling you all of a sudden a woman comes into your marriage and gets between you and your wife and something bad happens to cause a divorce or the opposite comes in the wrong voice fits into you when you got a new leadership piece of work and now all of a sudden you think they're against you and you start acting on that attitude instead of instead of the correct one and so that goes into the second piece is understanding if you have new leadership understand where they're coming from Right. And this is, I love to, sh- I love to share this with young players coming to the NFL. And this is the same thing if you're coming into a new company. It doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter how much experience you have, little or a ton. If you, they, if I don't know you, there's questions. And I can't, I can't assume to know anything about you. But if you're somebody addressing a new leader, you need to walk into his office, his or her's office, and you need to talk to them bluntly. And, and so, you know, if you and I are in this scenario, Jen, and you're my superior, even if I disagree with it, I have to come to you and I said, listen, I want to do awesome for my family. 
you know, I've got this experience, whatever the case may be, but Jen, I, I, you know, I got a wife. I, I want to let you know who I am, right? I got a wife. I got two babies. I got two kids and I want to go kill it for them. I've, I've been with this company or I'm new to this company and this is what was going on. And I know in order for me to kill it, I got to be on your team and I got to see your vision. So what I would love to do is I want to get what you think of me out the gate and have a conversation to really map out, hey, what's going to take for me to win or help you to win? Episode 43 with former NFL player and Super Bowl champ, Don Davis. I think, well, you started with an athlete. It comes with discipline, dedication, work ethic. It comes with being good at your craft and the discipline of practicing your craft on a daily and moment by moment basis. So it starts there. As far as teammates, you want a guy who's going to give him your all, right? He's selfless. He's going to take that pressure on and he's going to perform to his highest level when when necessary. So having that and him and having him do that and the man that he is, that really showed in so many ways and so many different examples that I have. So he is truly uh, one of the greatest. And I think he's going to is going to go down as the greatest quarterback to play the game. Yes. And, you know, this podcast, we focus on, you know, there's some sports elements of it, but we're really looking at how the athlete mentality connects to leadership so that you can move the ball off the field as well. And everything that you mentioned about Tom Brady, all of those attributes, those are things that each of us outside of the game should really be looking at. Are we implementing those same qualities to be good leaders in business and in life in general? So I'm glad that you brought all of those up. Now, in your mind, qualities of a good leader, are there other things that you think that you didn't mention already that are really necessary to uh, practice uh, exceptional leadership? Yeah, I think feedback, self-reflection, having a good team. We, we alluded to it, but didn't mention it. It's not a one-man show, one-woman show, one-person show. You got to, I think you have to have a good team around you. Uh, it puts you in position to have those other uh, qualities that we talked about with discipline and consistency and dedication and work ethic and, you know, character and integrity. All those things are important when it comes to leadership um, on and off the field. Episode 58 with Johnny Quinn, who was not only an NFL player, but also a U.S. Olympian. Yeah, this was not a fun experience to get cut from a team is not fun, right? To, to think that you're going to be drafted and then not hear your name called in the draft is not fun. But I, I do believe that every experience we go through, even though they're not fun all the time, is there to prepare us and help us to become better and to be more successful in the future. And so I'm glad that you uh, that you've uh, seen the opportunity or what happened as a as a positive experience for you. Now, talk to us about, you know, this mentally grueling process. How do you stay mentally focused as you were getting ready uh, for the uh, Olympic trials and to perform at your best to have a shot of getting selected, of being one of those six? Like, what did you do? How did you stay mentally focused? You know, that's a great question. And I talk about this quite a bit. And in a lot of my keynote speeches is one thing we have to do. And, I, and looking back now, what, what I think I did well, and I try to do it even today is We've got to borrow wisdom. We've got to borrow wisdom. Here's what this means. We've got to seek out men and women who are further down the path that we want to go and watch, observe, and listen. So let me give you an example. When I got to the Olympic Training Center, right? I'm here. I'm a, here I'm a Texas guy. I played Texas football. Never bobsled in my life. All I know is 
you know, Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team from that awesome movie in the 90s. If you haven't watched that yet, make sure you, you know, check it out on Netflix this weekend. And so, yes, I had the strength. Yes, I had the speed. But I get to the Olympic Training Center. And what I did is I, I would seek out Olympic medalists. I'd ask them questions. I'd watch, you know, what they were grabbing in the cafeteria for food. I'd, I'd watch their warm-up routine. You know, I'd make notes on what time of the day they are lifting. I What I'm doing here is I'm borrowing wisdom from men and women who are further down the path that I want to go. I want to go to the Olympic Games. I want to win a medal. So I, I'm learning from them. Now, that's one side of the coin. And I think every, you know, all our listeners here can, can get on board with that of, okay, hey, if we want to be successful in sales, we need to go find you know, somebody who's doing well in sales and let's watch and ask questions, things like that, which is yes. Here's the other side of the coin that, Jen, a lot of people forget or they, they might not know is, is as relevant is by doing this, Jen, I also block out men and women who, for lack of a right word, aren't doing things the right way. So let me give you the, the, the best example in business. The entrepreneur guru who says, who's uber successful in business, who says you've got to work, you know, 70 to 80 hours a week in order to get ahead in business. That person is not teaching you how to become an entrepreneur. What they're teaching you is how to get a divorce. What I'm looking for is I want to find men and women in business who are successful, who have a thriving marriage and a wonderful relationship with their kids because I'm in business, I am married, and I have a two-year-old little girl. And so I, I protect and borrow wisdom from people who do that well, while at the same time, Jen, this is huge, this is where people miss it, is I block out or I don't let filter or saturate men and women who might want to try to give me their their side advice, they're having train wrecks in their career or their life or whatever it may be. Episode 55 with Colette Smith, who was the first African-American female coach in the NFL and also the first female coach with the New York Jets. You do need to adjust and you do need to pivot as circumstances change. Those are the people that do move the ball and that do cross the goal line, whereas the other people, they're just stuck, you know, in their tracks and they're, they're the ones that are not making progress and they're the ones that are making excuses for where they're at today instead of looking at this is just another obstacle to tackle, another thing right to on. go through and navigate, you know, beyond. Yes, Absolutely. You know, like, 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 you know what? I remember when I would go to practices as a football player, as a woman, and I didn't, I did not start playing football until I was 42 years old. Right. So for me, uh, a sport that I always wanted to play, and I was told I'm not allowed to, you can't be in any organized, on any organized teams because you're a girl. Um, and then fast forward to I was 42 years old. And I found out about women's pro football. I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Someone's going against the grain. Someone's saying that I'm still worthy. And I said, well, hell, I'm worthy too. And to get up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go out there and give it everything you have. I believe that people in whatever venue, arena you're in, every aspect of life, we should be giving it all we have. If you're a janitor, be the best janitor ever. If you're a doctor, the same thing. So it's about giving your best. You know, uh, for, for me, it's about, you know, 
having self-worth and confidence and wanting to do my parents proud. You know, here I am. Here I am. I'm great. I can do great things, but you got to give effort. You, know, you don't wake up in the morning saying, I'm the greatest shit in the whole world. I'm the greatest person. No, you work at it. What do we got to do to get great? What do we got to do to be the best? Well, you get up, you plan. You plan, you start making your little bullet points. You have your, I hope you have a notebook. I'm old school. So I live <laughs> by a notebook. Yeah, I use my computer, but I have a notebook. And I write down the tasks that I need to tackle. And when I'm done with one, I cross it off. It is such an invigorating feeling to, to cross out a whole line. I just did that. On to the next task, right? Because knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have, the better we are as human beings and the better equipped we are to help somebody else, right? You do Absolutely. that, Jen. But yes, I do. Off. Yes. And I'm old school too. I do have a notebook as well. I don't cross, I, I make little boxes. So I write my tasks down and I have a little checkbox next to it. So I love checking those things off. And so for, and it, it's not just about let me make a list and, and see how long that list can be so I can feel like I'm doing a lot of things. It's I'm making a list of things that I need to get done that are going to help me to move forward, to move that ball and go in the direction that I want to get. But it's such a great feeling to check that off every day. Episode 41 with successful serial entrepreneur, Brandon Steiner. I think that if you want to get somewhere, even in this environment we're going through with the virus or whatever you're in, if you're not getting very far, it's because you don't have a high level of acceptance. You, know, you need to just put your foot in the ground and say, I'm not putting up with this relationship anymore. I'm not putting up with this job anymore. I'm not interested in making the same amount of money I've been making anymore. I don't want to be friends with these people that are dragging me down anymore. You have to just turn the volume up of your non-acceptance. Because once you do, non-acceptance is like the entry point to dreaming big. Because once you have non-acceptance, you start figuring, well, what am I going to do about it? Ah, but your non-acceptance is so high, you now start thinking of the details of what it takes to change and to do something about it because you're driving change. You're driving yourself to dream about what you want it to be versus what it is. And I started thinking about those Clyde Pumas that I wanted to buy. And I started thinking about having the snacks and the food that I wanted besides my own money in my pocket. So I know it sounds kind of trite at 10 years old to have a job in a fruit and vegetable store, but I hope the people that are listening that if you're a little bit unhappy or unsettled, it's because your level of acceptance is very high and you need to turn that down and turn your level of non-acceptance up. And then you're about to have a conversation with yourself that's meaningful. Yeah, I really like that. Turn your level of non-acceptance up because a lot of times people just, they succumb to the circumstances. They make excuses to why something cannot happen instead of they say, you know what, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to change things and take action to move the ball and turn their circumstances around. Even in this time, the coronavirus and these uncertain times, a lot of people are just sitting on the couch. Woe is me. You know, I'm, I don't have a job. You can figure out a way to move forward if you turn up your level of non-acceptance like you say. So I think that's a great story. Thank you. For I love when I call them. somebody and they go, I'm good. I'm like, <laughs> what is What? Who's good? Who's good? I mean, really, who doesn't need improvement in almost every one of their areas? Unless you just literally like, you know, you're literally just retired golfing in Florida and you're 85 years old. Those people are really good. Episode 32 with Mike Pereira, former NFL official and current rules analyst with Fox. Well, I think the further that you 
go and you, you first get this in college. You learn how to handle pressure. I read one time where Billie Jean King said, pressure is a privilege. And that stuck with me. And I agree with that statement. The further you went into officiating, the further you were put under pressure. And those that succeed know how to handle that pressure. Those that don't succeed don't know how to handle that pressure. And the pressure comes from the 60,000 people that may be sitting in the stands. The pressure may be coming, you know, from that play when it's fourth and two with eight seconds to go in the game and the team is down by four. And the thoughts that are running through your mind prior to the play about what you have to look for, what you do is you take that pressure and you learn how to basically release it from yourself so that you can make logical decisions, forgetting about that pressure, putting pressure aside. And that's true in everyday life. I think pressure causes us to react in a reckless way. You can't afford to do that in football when you're on the field, whether you're a player or you're an official. And the same way in life, you have to take something where you would expect your blood pressure to go to 150 over 90, and you need to find a place in your mind where you can bring it back down to 120 over 80. That's a life lesson that you get from officiating. Jennifer, that even goes back to my first day that I stepped on the field and in East Palo Alto at a Pop Warner football game and the parents were screaming at me. In a way then, I felt like it was a privilege, that it was a privilege to be out there. And I learned that those that normally put the pressure on you know a lot less than you do. And so you can basically internalize that and make better decisions. Sure. Is there anything that you would share with our listeners on how they can kind of keep their mindset right? Is there anything that you would tell yourself or that you would do to handle that pressure? I've always said in your, whether it's your occupation or whether it's your avocation or whether it's your passion, because everybody has to have a passion. Mine happened to be officiating. Um, you need to become an expert. I mean, you need to know the ins and outs. You need to constantly continue to learn. You need to constantly continue to read. You need to become that person that knows more than anybody who's trying to criticize you. And I always felt that way in officiating. I, I believe I got to a point. I'm not sure that I'm still at that point now as you, as you move on in years. But there wasn't anybody that could beat me in my prime when it came to knowledge of rules. If you become fully versed in whatever it is you're doing, the company that you work for, the industry that you work for, if you become fully versed in that, then I think your confidence level explodes. And I, I think that's a great thing. Episode 35 with Odessa Jenkins, former women's pro football player and founder of the Women's National Football Conference. Yeah, and I don't think it's any different for a female athlete than it is for a male athlete. A dog is a dog. <laughs> um, so, but when it comes to getting to an elite level, I think there are a few things that you should focus on. One is the athlete's willingness to compete. I think that the competitiveness uh, of elite athletes sets them apart. If you look at all the goats, um, whether it's the new goats, the old goats, they all um, are fierce competitors, meaning... Um, they don't want to just compete for themselves. They find a way to 
make sure that their teammates, their coaches, that everybody increases their level of, of their willingness to compete. So I think that's that's one. The other thing I think that's critical for somebody to be an elite athlete is their ability to see team over self. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do as an elite competitor, particularly because I think when you're an elite athlete, you could probably do things that other people can't do and they might come easier than you. But I think that getting to the ability to put your team over yourself and realizing how to make your team help you improve and make you better uh, is another core trait of, of an elite performer. I won't even say athlete of an elite performer. The next thing that I would definitely say that an elite performer um, has to have is they have to have high integrity, right? And high character. And I think that's how does that elite performer act when nobody's watching is what I think separates them. And I think that's something very few coaches and managers talk to. But I think one of the most critical parts of a leader to me is how you act when the crowd isn't watching, how you behave with people when you have an advantage. What do you act like when you're on the top of the hill versus when you're on the bottom? I think integrity and character is super, super duper important. And then I think the last attribute that I would say of an elite athlete that separates them or elite performer that separates them from anyone else is just their willingness to break down and be a student of whatever thing they're trying to achieve. Um, being a student always and being a learner always helps with selflessness. It helps get rid of ego um, because when you're willing to sit down and learn, it means that you're sitting down and listening. So those are some of the key attributes that I think every elite performer has. I think those are great. And I, I like how you, you use the term elite performer because, yeah, it's not just about being an athlete on the court, on the field. Everything that you just described is important for everybody, whether you're playing sports or you're in the business world or just living life. Those are all things that we should be implementing into our own lives. Episode 34 with former NFL quarterback Gus Farratt. When I left the NFL, I think one of the biggest things that I look at that I wish I would have changed was Going back through my whole career and all the people I've met, I wish I would have been able to uh, write down names and met people and really understand them, get to know them, because your NFL career is not going to last forever. But all those people that you get to meet being an NFL quarterback, at some point in your life, once I got into business, I learned that all those connections could really help me later on. And so making those connections and letting them go by the wayside a lot of times and not following through or sending a note saying hi or thanks, it was great meeting you and all those types of things. I think I would go back and do those again because now that I'm in business, when I meet people, I get their card. I try to email them. I try to stay connected with them. Not that I'm necessarily going to use them for business or anything, but they'll remember me. And hopefully someday they'll say, oh, I like to guess a lot. Um, you know, I'd love to help them out. Let's see what we can do if there's something that we can work together on. And so I look back a lot of times, even with my kids now, you know, I try to keep relationships with coaches because my son Gunner is trying to be a coach in the NFL. And so reaching out to coaches for him and introducing him to people that I've met and I've known for a long time and seeing if they can help him start his career as a coach in the NFL. And so I would just look back and say, you know, I dropped the ball on that, but now I'm trying to kind of regain some of that and learn from my mistakes and in business trying to keep those relationships going. So connect with people as much as you can. And like you said, LinkedIn does a good job of that. 
Yeah. And I, I think it's very important for people to realize the importance of building relationships. It's not just about, well, I need a job. So let me go reach out and start connecting with people. I think it's important to, when you, when you have an opportunity to connect with someone, build that relationship, check in on people. You know, it's, it's not just about what can they do for me right now? It's about meeting good people. And you never know, there may be a situation down the road where they can help open a door or they may know somebody that's looking for your skill set or whatever. So it, I, I spend a lot of time networking and just just maintaining relationships with people because you never know when that, and not even from a business standpoint, but even from a personal growth standpoint and LinkedIn, you mentioned, and I've met some fantastic people through LinkedIn that have become, you know, very close friends that have helped me grow into a better person, especially as I left the corporate world and did my own transition to being an entrepreneur. I mean, I've had some great relationships that I've built over the last couple of years from people. And so it's just an important thing to always keep in the back of your mind. Are you A, networking and B, maintaining relationships that you should be? Episode 49 with former NFL head coach, Brad Childress. So how about when things don't go so well? Football is a fast paced game. How do you stay mentally focused? How do you keep your guys mentally focused when things aren't going so well? You're down a few touchdowns. And there's still, let's say, you know, you're down a few touchdowns in the beginning of the third quarter. So plenty of playing time or game clock time left to still turn it around. What, what do you do to keep your players motivated and focused on what they need to do? I really believe this. You got to be positive with them. You got to show them how they, they can go ahead and do that. And that comes from going back to a training camp practice where you said, hey, we're going into fourth quarter. And we're two scores down. Do we have a way that we want to play at that point in time? And we did it at Kansas City. There's a there's good tape of, of us being 21 down 21 nothing to San Diego Chargers the first game of the year and uh, coming back and beating them and that was in the fourth quarter we were down but we practiced that before we practiced being two scores or three scores down and changing the tempo with which we played unless you've practiced it before it's it, it's really hard and and there was a, there's a belief then since you attack things that way that okay we're in uh, we're in a save mode here we know what we got to do to save this game and how we're going to play and and there's a certain set of rules that goes along with that so situational stuff is is huge and and just being able to bring guys back to hey we've done this before look we did it last Thursday in practice we did it during training camp that's important Sure. And how about when somebody fumbles the ball or drops the ball on what was going to be a big play? How do you deal with that? And, and how do you get refocused on what needs to happen next? Got this from Andy. I believe the guy fumbled the last play that, you know what, maybe the first play of the next drive, we're handing it back to him again because we've got faith in that guy. You, you have to continually demonstrate faith in, in the guys that are uh, playing for you. And, and there's nothing like builds confidence. It's having success that way. You bring up a good point because we all make mistakes. We're all human beings. And so off the field too, sometimes we drop the ball, we get busy. And as leaders, I think it's important not to just chew that person out, but to really just let them know it's okay. Instill that confidence in them and, you know, just get back in there and, and keep focused on what needs to happen next. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? I think the best thing is be authentic, be yourself. I mean, that's who you can be the best. When you try to be, be somebody else, you're going to screw it up. Your best has got to be good enough and, and be authentic. Be, be you. That, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing, I think, for any player and any coach. The level we're at right now, they've got skill and ability, and you have to rely on it. You have to give them direction, of course, but I just think be authentic. Episode 77 with Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line coach, 
Coach Lori Locust. I think that, and, and I don't want to characterize us as women, you know, because we're all individuals as well, but I'll speak on my behalf. I feel like I got to a point in my life where I was so layered over by everyone else's expectations. Like I felt that I had kind of lost who I was. And I think a lot of us can go through that, you know, we're somebody's mother, we're somebody's wife, we're somebody's coworker, we're somebody else's, whatever it is. And we take on all these different roles and you start to be able to lose touch with what used to make you really happy and, you know, what it is that kind of like completes you as a person so that you can be a better, you know, overall like mom and wife and partner or whatever it is. And I just, I felt like I started to take off like layers of winter clothes when I started to make some decisions that I don't necessarily know that I would call it selfish because I was always, I always had my kids in the forefront. Like there was never a decision that I made, never a place that I went that I didn't think of them first because they are my priority. They're still my priority. They're my why and my reason that I do this. But what I would tell people now, and especially women and you know, listen, I got started late on this. So there's never a too late time frame. And I would say to them, and I've said to my friends, is that you have to start to think about life in terms of why not, as opposed to what if. Because there's a passion that everybody has for something, you know, and whether or not you're, you're fortunate enough to really follow it through and get to, you know, do it the way that you've always wanted to do it. Maybe yes. And, and maybe you get close or maybe you get to do it every once in a while. But if it's important enough for you to do, you can't set it aside because you have to be whole in order to be whole for other people. And I, I truly believe that if I had turned that car around, I obviously wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. And I wouldn't be in a place where I feel like you're right. I think that was a defining moment because there's so many times we talk ourselves out of doing things that really, truly have our name stamped all over it. And we're letting fear dictate as opposed to really trying to just overcome that first initial step. And then just like the possibilities are endless. Like, why not? Why not try it? So there you have it. These are some of my favorite snippets from this past season. And I'm gonna share with you that there were so many other clips that I would have loved to have included in this final episode, but I couldn't have a season finale that was three or four hours long. So I had to make the tough calls, the tough decisions and decide who was in and who was out. And so who made the cut is who you got to hear today. I hope you found these clips to be motivating. I hope they inspired you. And I hope that you are now fired up and ready to move the ball as we go into the off season. And as we close out this season, I just wanna leave you with a few other things. So first off, if you like the clips that you heard today, go back and listen to those guest episodes. Each and every one of the people that I featured in today's segment, they did an incredible job. And I know that listening to their full shows, you're gonna get so excited, so inspired, and it's gonna be just tremendous value coming your way. So check them out and not even just these guests. I, I have been so impressed with every single guest that was on the show. 
And so check out any of the episodes. I think you're going to find all of them are going to bring you some value. I go back and listen to episodes quite a bit. And no, it's not to hear myself talk. I really just enjoy the stories. I get fired up by hearing my guests' insights and pieces of advice. And just yesterday, I was listening to Chris Leak's episode. And I text with Chris all the time. And I texted him last night. And I was like, hot damn, Chris. You, those were the words I used. I said, hot damn, Chris. You did such a fantastic job on my podcast. And Chris was my very first guest. So his episode released day one, along with Terrence Wood. And I did a solo episode as well. And I, I just get so motivated by listening to some of the things that Chris has to say. So I have listened to his episode quite a few times. So check his out, especially if you haven't listened to it. And again, thank you so much for all the feedback that you guys have shared with me over this past season. This is why I do this show is to bring value and to keep people inspired. So hearing the feedback is incredible. If you would leave me a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to the show on, that would be fantastic too. I love seeing feedback and your reviews also help other people to see if the show is something that they would like to listen to. And please tell other people in your network about the show. I would love to grow my audience base. I would love to be able to inspire and impact so many more people. So I'm gonna challenge you, share with just five other people in your network and have them listen to an episode or two. And I'm sure that they'll find it to be so inspiring and want to continue to listen. And so as we close out the show, a couple other thoughts. One, we are in Q4 of 2020. And the first three quarters have not been ones that any of us could have imagined possible. There's definitely been some darkness. There has been some light as well. But it's not been a year, I think most people, if they were to say, could we just get rid of 2020 and move on? Most people would probably say, yeah, let's do that. But what I'm going to say to you is you can't control everything that's gone on around you, but you can still control how you end this year. So the first three quarters may not have gone as you wanted, but that doesn't mean you have to allow that to be an excuse as to why you can't finish this year strong. So I want you to take some time after listening to this episode and do some reflection. Think about how has this year gone for you? Where did you want it to go? And what can you do each and every day of the rest of 2020 to be able to move the ball and still, maybe you're not going to get across that initial goal line that you set for yourself, but you've heard me talk about life is not just about getting across the goal line. It's about getting the next first down first. And when you get those next first downs consistently, that is when you will get across the goal line. And sometimes achieving goals doesn't occur on the timeline that we want. And that is okay. Things happen. Life happens. 2020 happened. But that doesn't mean that we stop. That doesn't mean that we give up. And we still have many, many days left in this year. We still have almost three months, not quite, but almost to finish this year and make it something extraordinary. So I want you to say today, I'm taking back command. I am that quarterback. I am going to move that ball. And I am going to look back on 2020. And this will be a year that I am still proud of. So I want you to make that commitment to yourself today. 
because you can still move the ball. You can still win. We've seen time and time again in football games, there are teams that come back in the fourth quarter and they win the game. We are in that fourth quarter. You guys know I'm a Chicago Bears fan. If, if you just look at the Bears' performance, they have come back. Has there been some luck there? Absolutely. But they have played until the game clock has expired, and we are going to play this game of 2020 until the last day of 2020, and we go into the new year, and we are going to finish this year strong. So, again, make that commitment to yourself today. Make that commitment to me, but don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. But I want you to know that I am every day. I'm suiting up, and I'm ready to play the rest of the year, and I want you to be on the field too, playing your game and moving that ball. So two more things I wanted to share, and then I'm going to close. Some of you know that I do have a newsletter where I am putting out motivational content. If that's something that you feel like would be helpful, join the newsletter. You can get it at go to thenextfirstdown.com. That's going to be in the show notes and check that out. I would love to continue to reach you through my newsletter in the off season. And then also for the ladies out there, some of you may have heard before that I have a community on Facebook. It's called She's Got Game. And so if you go to powerandimpact.com, that's also in the show notes, there at the top of the page, there will be a link to click to join the Facebook group. And really, I created that group because I just felt like, especially in this year, there were so many people that were struggling and being a part of a community was something that so many people needed. And I wanted to bring women together to empower, to support, to champion each other. So join that if, if you're a woman, if you're a guy and you know some amazing ladies that you think would be interested in participating have them join, give them the link, powerandimpact.com is the URL. Again, that's going to be in the show notes. And lastly, I just want to say thank you. This has been an incredible season for me. I hope that it's been something that you've enjoyed as well. Uh, my focus is to deliver even more value to step up my game as we go into season two. And I look forward to continuing on this journey with you. So thank you so much for being a part of my community. Thank you for being a part of the Move the Ball movement. And I look forward to having you listen to new episodes when we kick off the next season in the first quarter of 2021. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.